This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. John chapter 21. We have been going chapter by chapter through the Gospel of John, seeing portraits of Christ in each chapter. And we are now focused on chapter 21. Hear the word of the Lord. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the record we have in Scripture of your resurrection from the dead, and also of your ministry after your resurrection to your disciples especially to Peter, because the way you loved on and ministered to Peter is the way you love on and minister to us, especially when we fail, when we fall, when we falter. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being forgiving. Thank you for restoring us in fellowship, and in service. We love you and thank you for your amazing grace. In Jesus' name, amen.
Today's message is entitled, Peter from Failure to Faithfulness. And we're going to see this in John 21. Now, many people are in shock when somebody of spiritual fame falls. Why do people in high-profile Christian leadership positions fall from their leadership role? Well, I believe we're going to learn four things. Number one, no one is exempt from failure. Number two, Satan is alive and well, and he's attacking at your point of strength. Number three, failure can help strip away pride. And number four, God can redeem your mistakes. So I hope we'll all be strengthened in our faith and encouraged even as we study the life of Peter. No one is exempt from failure. In Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 33, we read that Jesus told Peter that he would fail, that he would fall. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you. Now, this is interesting that it was in the plural. Satan wanted to sift all of the disciples as wheat. To sift means to shake and to so disturb the wheat as to pull out the chaff from the kernels. And so Satan had asked God the Father to sift all of the disciples as wheat. But, Paul, but Jesus says to uh, Peter, but I have prayed for you, and this is a specific you among the others, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus, it was predicted in Zechariah that when the shepherd would be struck, the sheep would be scattered. It had already been foretold that the disciples would fall away when he was taken to be crucified. But in light of all that Jesus had said to Peter, what was Peter's response? Was it, oh, thank you for praying for me? Oh, give me more strength that I may be faithful? No. Peter's response to the prophecy of his Lord about his future failure was, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Here's the Lord telling him, you're going to fail. You're going to fall flat on your face. And Peter's like saying, over my dead body, I'm the most courageous, the most brave person on earth. And I'm willing to go to the death for you. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And that's exactly what Peter did five hours later. 
There was a servant girl who had let him in, and she recognized him. And he says, no, I don't know him. Another girl said to him, you know, aren't you one of them? Uh, no, no, I swear I'm not. And then finally, someone who is a relative of Malchus, the servant that uh, Peter had chopped off his right ear that Jesus healed back, um, said, I saw you at the Garden of Gethsemane. You're, you are one of them. I swear with the highest oath, I don't know him at all. Peter heard the cock crow. And it was at that moment that his eyes met the eyes of Jesus who was being led out at that time. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Now, I don't know about you, but in my life, I can think of times where I have failed, where I have sinned, where I have let others down, where I have faltered. And you also have those dark times in your life. No matter how well you've lived, there are those times where you realize you have failed. You've let the Lord down either by something you've done or by something you have left undone. When we confess our sin, we should confess our sin. Forgive us for sinning against you in word, thought, and deed and things we have done and things we have left undone. That would be a complete confession of our sin. So to be honest, we've all failed. But what's the worst thing that you've ever done? And is it forgivable? The worst thing Peter ever did was he denied his Lord. Not once, not twice, but three times. We're going to learn today that even the worst thing you have done can be and is forgiven under the blood of Jesus Christ. The Lord loves you. He did not reject Peter. He did not reproach Peter. But he lovingly came to Peter to restore him. And so our Lord is in his attitude toward us. No one is exempt from failure. It says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Have you ever heard a person say, I would never do that. I would never fail in that area. And the one area I would never falter is this particular one. And then they fall in that very area. Beware. We all have chinks in our, our armor. We all have points of weakness. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. It's easy to have an overestimation of our strengths, of our abilities, of our resistance to temptation, but we're weaker than we think. We're weaker than we think. No one is exempt from failure. You know, when you hear of somebody's fall, 
you might say, there for the grace of God go I. And it is the grace of God that's keeping us. And we need to wear the full armor of God. Why? Because Satan is the mortal enemy of your soul. We are not in a neutral battleground. We have an active enemy. When Jesus said to Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, Peter, once he thought about it after the fact, realized we are in spiritual warfare. There is one who wants to try to derail us and distract us from the Lord. And his name is Satan, adversary. Later, Peter would write in 1 Peter 5.8, Be alert and sober. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter could put after that, I know, because he sifted me like wheat. You think you're strong, and you still need to put on that full armor and rest in the comfort and the, the protection of God. So Satan attacks us at our strengths. Notice in Mark 14, 29, Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Peter claimed that even if all the other disciples are cowards, even if they all run with yellow tails, he alone would be standing in defense of Jesus. If you were to interview Peter six hours before he betrayed Jesus, he would say, my strengths are that I am bold, I'm courageous, I'm enthusiastic, and I love the Lord, and be, I would be willing to lay down my life for the Lord. But then after he denied the Lord, he wept bitterly. You see, we guard our area of weaknesses. We know we're weak in a certain area. So we try to hedge that up and protect ourselves, but then we boast about our strengths and we think that's the last area that we'll, we'll ever fall in. And that's why Satan wants to attack at our point of strength. Because we take it for granted. That doesn't need any protection. That doesn't need any coverage. That doesn't need any uh, submitting to God and then we're in trouble. Failure can help strip away pride. Peter, after he wept bitterly, wrote years later in 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, before God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. And earlier in that same chapter, he quotes Proverbs 3.34 that says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Did you know that uh, before the Last Supper, the disciples had a big argument about who was the greatest among them? 
And Peter was right in there. So Peter had an overestimation of his strengths and his abilities and his role. He did struggle with pride. But can you imagine that after he denied the Lord, there was a difference about Peter. He still was bold and courageous and still opened foot, mouth and inserted foot. But I believe there was a softness and an awareness of his need of the Lord after he denied his Lord that he didn't have before he denied the Lord. His overconfidence had been stripped away. And we need to recognize that failure can bring something good. It can teach us to rely upon the Lord, to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to um, rely upon Him, acknowledging Him in all our ways. And that leads us to the last point, that God can redeem your mistakes. Jesus met with Peter. And by the way, how do we have this passage in John 21? It's because Peter who was there, told the beloved disciple about it so he could record it. Is that not a sign of humility? That Peter confessed and admitted, yes, I fell. Yes, I denied my Lord. But here's how gracious and wonderful Jesus is. He picked me up. He lifted me in love and acceptance and I want the whole world to know. Put that in your gospel, John. And that's how we have that account. So Jesus asked Peter three times, each time matching each of the times he denied the Lord. And the third time, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? The third time he's asking. Now notice, Peter's hurt at this point because he gets it. He recognizes what Jesus is doing. For every denial, there's an equal and opposite proclamation of love. And Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Now this is extremely important because... Peter thought he had a love for his Lord that was stronger than death. But he ended up denying the Lord. After this encounter of Jesus restoring Peter, guess what? Our Peter never denied the Lord again and went to his own death, a martyr's death, and he said, I'm unworthy of being crucified like my Lord. Crucify me upside down. And that was in fulfillment of what Jesus said in John 21, 18 and 19. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted 
But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Peter went from failure to faithfulness unto death. He was faithful all the way to his last breath with an undying love for his Lord. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And he said to Peter firmly, follow me. So when we think of our Lord restoring us, think of several things. Number one, that he does not reproach you, he does not reject you, your failure is not final. Number two, when the Lord comes to you to restore you, he's asking you to be honest about your love and devotion to him. We can say we love the Lord, but in our own hearts, as we take personal inventory, we recognize our areas of compromise and of preference of other things or other people more important than our Lord. When Jesus first asked Peter if he loved him, he says, do you love me more than these? And there's been a lot of discussion what was Jesus referring to when he says, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these other disciples? Or was he pointing at the catch of fish and saying, do you love me more than fishing? And for some of you who are diehard fishermen, that might be a hard question to answer. Because I've seen the bumper sticker on the back of your car that says the worst day at work is, I mean, is better than the best day fishing or something like that. The point is, you love fishing, but do you love the Lord even more? That's the question. Jesus is asking, do you love me more than anything? That's why we compromise. That's why we we traffic in areas we should not be in, it's because our love falters. We begin loving the world and the things of this world. And the Bible says, do not love the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life, because these things are not satisfying. They are transient. But the person who does my will abides forever that person experiences something that is truly satisfying and lasts forever. So the best thing to do is not to love the world or the things of the world, but to love the Lord and to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So the Lord is doing a test of our hearts. What is our love quotient toward him? Do we love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? And then finally, service to others is key in expressing that love. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, according to Galatians chapter 5, it says that we are to serve one another in love. So Jesus 
tells Peter each time to feed his sheep, to tend to the flock, to take good care of fellow believers. And Peter would have a leadership role in the early church. In the same way, we are restored that we might strengthen the brethren by telling them about the grace we've experienced and by loving them and caring for them. All the while, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. Now you think that's pretty clear, don't you? But what did Peter do? He looks at John, who's walking behind them, and he says, what about him? And Peter says, well, what about him? If I want him to live forever until I come back, what is that to you? And some rumor began around in the early church that John would live forever. And John's correcting it in this gospel, saying, no. He said, what if I wanted to do that? Not, I will do that. And the whole point was, fix your eyes on me. Don't look at other people and say, how come I can't have an easy life like that person? How come I've got to have the, the, the road that's, which a bunch of switchbacks and boulders? Don't compare. Follow Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Run the course that God has given for you to run. Fixing your eyes on Him. Follow Him. There you have the testimony of Peter. Can you relate to it? You realize that you're not exempt from failure, neither am I, that Satan is trying to attack us and he's working to try to distract us and if possible derail us. And that when we do fall, when there is failure, we're to get rid of that pride and we're to realize that the Lord is the one who gets all the glory and we are to rely on him. And that God can redeem our mistakes. He can bring good out of the things where we have failed and where we have fallen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we bring our broken selves to you. We recognize that we have all failed and some of us are still haunted by severe failures we've had in the past. And we ask that you would comfort us with your forgiveness. Thank you that Jesus died on the cross and that his blood was shed for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And that all of our sins are under the blood. We are forgiven. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we say thank you, Lord that truth. When we want to punish ourselves, when we want to atone for our own failings and sins, Lord, prevent us, forgive us from trying to do that because we are forgiven and Satan's accusations do not stand because in your sight, 
We have the righteousness of Christ himself. And Lord, help us to believe that, to know that, to accept that, that we are forgiven fully and that no failure is final. That you love us, you have restored us, and you have lifted us up now to follow you and to serve one another in love. May we be about that. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.